we are back with another episode of Underrated. Uh, you know, with Thanksgiving happening this week, uh, plus myself finally coming down with the coronavirus. The Rona. Yeah, we thought it might be uh, fun to do a little bit of a different episode, something a little shorter, uh, something that I can make it through without uh, dying. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for doing this. This is good. <laughs> of course, of course. Do I sound very uh, AM radio? Yeah, you sound, I mean, most of our listeners are probably used to that. <laughs> they probably listen to us and then only AM radio. Exactly. Um, yeah, anyway, so, you know, on Monday, the official Hall of Fame ballot for the 2023 class was announced for the Baseball Writers Association members to consider. Oh, uh, yeah. So in this shorter episode, we're just going to run through a few highlights from the ballot, give mm-hmm. you our hypothetical votes. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, a little bit of justification for those. All right, man. Yes. So, so where, where, where do you want to start, Lefty? Well, you know, there were a handful of notable names added to the list. But in my opinion, not many of them were Hall of Fame worthy. You know, we've discussed kind of time and again on this show that the, the kind of real cutoff for the Hall of Fame, you know, there are some exceptions. Relief pitchers, for example, um, oh, yeah. is, is around 60 wins above replacement. Sure, uh, and I know we've we've dove into what wins above replacement are, but uh, for our casual baseball stats fans, uh, basically it's a formulation that determines how much a player is worth in a specific season. So the average player is zero wins above replacement. Every win a player produces above average is a win above replacement. Mm-hmm. So only one name on this new ballot surpassed 40 wins above replacement that yeah. being carlos beltran with just over 70 do you have any That's thoughts right. on these new additions anyone you see making it anyone you see sticking around more than one season oh man well you know let's kind of there's a there's a lot of new ones on here right um uh, carlos beltran is on my list he's getting my vote all right. Well, let's let's just talk about Beltran. Yeah, okay. totally. He's so I, he's another questionable one on my list. Yeah. So I mean, I know, right? Sign stealer. Okay. Whatever. Let's we 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 have actual quote unquote drug users on this list, so I'm not talking about that. <laughs> so let's let's get into it. Nine time All Star, 2,700 plus hits, 435 homers, 312 stolen bases, career WAR of uh, 70.1. That would fall right in the middle, smack dab in the middle. He's Fourth all-time in homers for center fielders. Fourth most RBIs. You know, let's talk about him being a switch hitter. Fourth most home runs all-time for a switch hitter. Third most RBIs all-time for switch hitters. Uh, Three-time gold glover, but uh, fifth highest postseason OPS in MLB history. Um, Carlos Beltran's got my vote. What do you think, Lefty? Yeah, so he was questionable. I kind of had uh, two asterisks on my list. Carlos Beltran Mm -hmm. was one of them. Um... You know, I didn't really buy overwhelming connection to that cheating scandal of 2017. I think that he was a bit of a convenient scapegoat. Definitely. definitely. uh, At the same time, he also, combined with that, has had some ties to to, uh, steroid usage. Sure, sure. While I'm not a a moralist there, um, doubling down with the sign-stealing scandal of 2017, that really throws his his ballot and into question um you know i think as a player he definitely he definitely meets the criteria 
but he's one of those players that I don't think will make it. Yeah, yeah. The next guy I want to talk about, and this is going to be interesting because fans of the show know your feelings on this, okay? Uh, I want to talk about Mark Burley. Oh, yeah. And and he, so he's on my list now because he's one of your favorite players of all time. And he's, he's not on my list because he's from my hometown of St. Louis. But, you know, there's only seven pitchers in Major League history to pitch 200 innings in 14 consecutive seasons, and one is Mark Burley, right? And all the others ahead of him are in Cooperstown already. Yeah. So let's just let's put that into perspective for a second now. Yeah. He was four outs away in his final season from having a 15th consecutive season, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, no one has compiled 3,000 innings pitched. I mean, he's induced the most double plays by a pitcher going back to 1995 as it as it stands right now. Now, his 43% ground ball rate, I mean, that doesn't jump off the page. I understand that. Like, I think Tim Hudson was, what, 56% or something, you know, a little bit higher. But only two pitchers have 100 pickoffs in their career. And one yeah. of them is Mark Burley, right? Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you're a base stealer, you weren't going anywhere. Yeah, he his... only allowed 59 stolen bases in his total career. Exactly. Think yeah. about he, that, man. He was he was unreal uh, with that pickoff move. Much Definitely. To the, much to the chagrin of uh, Joe West. Joe West, yes. The uh, the music, uh, also music, <laughs> music world. Uh, the, the, Merle, as well. the Merle Haggard yeah. cover. <laughs> right. You know, on top of that, let's not forget he's got four gold gloves. I mean, 87 defensive runs saved, which is the best of any pitcher ever. Yeah, so, yeah. And he came right. in a time before the proliferation of StatCast, so it's very likely that his reaction off the mound would have been seen as even more impressive with modern sure. stats. Absolutely. You know, he obviously he pitched a perfect game, no-hitter, World Series ring, but just want to remind everybody out there, let's not forget Jim Cat was just elected with fewer career war and about 50% more innings pitched. Okay, so that seals the deal for me as far as Mark Burley goes. Yeah, and at least one more racist thing said about Cuban. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, and the thing that I always talk about, and I won't, I won't dive too deep into this because uh, nobody wants to hear it, uh, but <laughs> I think that he's a player that is severely underrated by wins above replacement. As much as yeah. I enjoy that statistic and think that it's a, it's a valuable way to to judge players regardless of era, position, or composition, competition. Um, sure. When you look at the calculation, the actual formula used for it, it, it highly weights um, strikeouts. And, and the way that a player strikes out batters is it tantamount to, to how many wins above replacement they, they right. create. It factors right. heavily into their fueling independent pitching. Um, yeah. which, again, factors heavily into how wins above replacement is calculated. Mark Burley consistently over his career outperformed that fielding independent pitching metric yeah. as a result of, you know, finding continued success without heavy strikeouts. So that right, exactly. because he wasn't a strikeout pitcher and it wasn't a fluke, it was something that he was able to do for, you know, a decade and a half, um, his his wins above replacement still suffers because of that um right. so I, I don't know how to rectify that in the statistics world that's not my sure. not my forte but sure it is a it is a statistic that doesn't accurately represent how dominant he was right but i do think all the other metrics we you know mentioned here 
do. And I think that uh, doesn't overcomplicate things. And I think it provides clarity um, in regards to how that correlates with, uh, you know, that war. But here's what I want to say. If I'm going to make the case for Burley, you got to make the case for Andy Pettit. Yeah, definitely. Right? Definitely. Right He's another that. one on my I, list. Yeah, I, I'm going to let you dive into that. But, you know, that's just kind of my my uh, my take on it. If I'm going to make the case for Mark Burley, I feel like Andy Pettit is in that same, you know, um, realm. And uh, so he's got my vote. Yeah, for sure. He's on my list, too. I didn't dive. I only wrote a bit about a player or two. I don't sure. think anybody wants to hear me break down every single player but Burley was one that I had written almost exactly the same thing about so oh yeah um, absolutely I mean it's pretty it's pretty clear cut right now yeah, here's yeah. what I'll throw at you Bobby Abreu he is the other player that I dove deep into deeper into yeah, yeah absolutely so let's 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 talk about this a little bit we're you know we're talking about average war for for right fielders based on historically and who's already in the hall of fame right and that yeah, yeah. that average career war is 70.1 now that's about 10 points higher than a Bray use. Yeah. But, you know, we, we're talking about a guy who stole 400 bases. Uh, was only caught 128 times. I mean, he was averaging a, above two and a half war a season between his age 31 through age 37 seasons, which is very impressive, right? Yeah, yeah. So so he's, complica- he's a complicated player, you know, because he's a little bit weaker than his contemporaries. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he, he's, he's on my list, you know, uh, but... Uh, Obviously, um, you know, he's one of those guys, right? Um, you take a look at uh, the other right fielders uh, from that time and uh, who he was playing alongside with, and um, he's he's on the lower end. I think for right field, as you mentioned, um, a little bit weaker than contemporaries, but I think that um, not, not every player needs to be grouped exactly into just the, the corner outfield position they played in. Um, right, and I think that that Bobby Abreu had a skill set that needs to be recognized in a way that that the traditional um, right field prototype doesn't. You know, sure. You typically sure. think about those corner outfielders as more power hitting positions, um, but he excelled primarily in just reaching base. Right, right. Um, in fewer games than Tony Gwynn. Abreu reached base more times, had more stolen bases, and had more extra base hits. So when you right. think about Tony Gwynn being the all-time, you know, kind of the pinnacle of what an on-base, uh, you know, hitter looks like, Bobby Abreu surpassed that. You know, his, his on-base skills were unparalleled. Um, and I think that's something we're seeing kind of less and less in the modern game. And I don't want to, I don't want to sound, uh, you know, like one of those those folks that romanticize. <laughs> The, sure. the old times, <laughs> but I think it is important to acknowledge, um, you know, exciting skill sets that that are dwindling. You know, there yeah. are only five players who have ever reached base more times than Abreu and not uh-huh. made the Hall of Fame. Two two of them are on this list, um, or on this ballot, and we probably are both voting for in terms of Manny Ramirez and yep. Gary Sheffield. Yes. Yep. Check and check. Yep. And the other two are on the the committee vote. Barry Bonds and Rafael Palmeiro. Mm-hmm. Yep, correct. That's so, right. you know, just elite in terms of on-base producti- production. You know, Absolutely. he's also tied 11th all-time in five-plus wins above replacement seasons with seven. You mm-hmm. know, only yeah. 10 players yeah. have, have achieved more 
consistency in elite production. Pretty crazy. Bobby Abreu had a career that essentially flew under the radar in the entirety of it. You know, uh, very impressive, you know, to look back and look at these numbers, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and he's another one of those players that was kind of overlooked due to where he was. You know, that wasn't a super exciting time in Philadelphia. So he he left Philadelphia before that success mm-hmm. as a team. Right. Spent a few years with the Yankees. Left there right before their 09 World Series. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, lived out his days in L.A. Nothing good ever <laughs> happens right. with the Angels. Right, exactly. You know, there there is the case to, to make that maybe it was Bobby Abreu that that taught Mike Trout how to be elite. But, you know? <laughs> there's there's a, there's a case for sure, right? <laughs> uh, Scott Rowland. Okay. Um, so Scott Rowland's up there, obviously, one of my favorite players of all time. Superb defense, consistent power, you know, throughout his career. One of the best third basemen of his generation. I mean, you, oh, yeah. you have to... You can agree with that, right? I mean, he's in the top 15 offensively all time. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if you could have turned on SportsCenter at any time, you know, in in the 2000s during the summer Absolutely. and not expected to see, you know, some web gem from Scott Rowland. It's, 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 it was a, it was a crazy time, but, you know, I mean, eight gold gloves, you know, seven time all-star, well, obviously World Series ring. Uh, you know, fifth all-time in doubles. I know it's it's kind of an overlooked stat, but that's important, right? Because we're talking about runners in scoring position. Um, you know, there's 17 third basemen currently in the Hall of Fame, and his career war of 70.1 would rank in ninth amongst those the, those players. The average is just under 60. I think it's 59, some change for, for third baseman, I think, is the average. But, you know, in my opinion, he deserves a vote. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he was consistently not just, as you mentioned, uh, uh, an elite defensive player. Um, right. And, it, you know, it is harder to judge, um, you know, how elite players are on defense when sure. the statistics are a little underdeveloped at that time. Right. But, you know, he had that. He made great stops, you know, won the won the gold gloves. But absolutely. at the same time, he was one of the, the better hitters in the league. You know, he had an OPS right. plus over his career of 122, 22% better than the average hitter. Um, right. And, right. you know, he had an OPS of 855 during a time when the league average OPS was 768, you know, yeah. almost 100 yeah. points higher. You right. know, just, just, a, just a phenomenal player throughout his career. Definitely. You know, um, so I want to move over a base and I want to talk about Jeff Kent. All right. Last year, this is last year of eligibility, and I mean, let's get real, right? I mean, people hated him because he hated Barry Bonds. <laughs> yeah. But the reality of it is is that he was the best home run hitter at his position in the history of the game. Now, there's only one other second baseman in Cooperstown who has a better slugging percentage than Kent, and that's Rogers Hornby, right? So he would rank 19th among second basemen in war if he was inducted, but you know, he's only he's one of only 15 second basemen to, to win an MVP. And, you know, he, he did it in 2000, might I add, beating out Barry Bonds, his teammate that year, which was an incredible statistic year. So, um, you know, he finished top 10 in voting four different times. Five-time All-Star, which is actually, you know, a little on the low end. But, uh, you know, he did post an OPS of at least 860 in, in five seasons, and that's post-age 34. Now, I'll finish with this. 
aside from war and stolen bases, if I'm going to give my vote to Scott Rowland, Jeff Kent has better stats in every offensive statistical category than Scott Rowland. So, uh, you know, that uh, if I'm going to make the case for, for Scott to get a vote, uh, as much as I'm not a Jeff Kent fan, I got to give a vote to Jeff Kent. Well, I think it's it's worth acknowledging that the, uh, you know, offensive environment during which Jeff Kent came to be um, mm-hmm. prominent was a lot different than it was sure. for Roland. Sure. Uh, you know, Roland's first full season was 97. Right. Kent was in the, the meat of his career at that time. Exactly. So yeah, during agreed. during the heart of the steroid era, Jeff Kent was already, you know, at his peak. So, yeah. so I don't know, I don't know how much weight that, that carries sure you know sure um sure further i don't love the comparison um you know he that he's a slugger for the position you know historically baseball has been slow to adapt the people of teams for a hundred years looked for specific prototype players to to play specific positions so despite the fact that there could have been many players who would have been better hitters at that position because they hit home runs they throw them in left field or right field, so sure. that's that's not an argument that appeals to me personally. Um, right, right. So, so Jeff Kent doesn't have a vote from your end. No, gotcha. <laughs> no, um, how you started this conversation out? We were talking about relievers. So we're talking about Billy Wagner. All right, there's yeah. there's only eight relievers in in Cooperstown uh, right now, so it's a tough world. But Wagner would rank fourth in saves with 422 and second in ERA. First in whip, first in K per nine by, I mean, a, a massive margin if you look at it. But, um, you know, this is going to be blasphemous for any St. Louis Cardinals fans because I'm going to throw a couple names out there. But, I mean, he was better than Bruce Suter, okay, during a crazy era for hitters. And he was better than Lee Smith in every category other than total saves and Trevor Hoffman as well, if you look at that list. Um, so um, I like Billy Wagner. And uh, he's got my vote on this ballot for sure. Gotcha. You know, he he definitely has the the saves to back up that, that are elite. But I think mm-hmm. what what differs for me is that we've been so spoiled by what closers can be now that, sure. that we have what two active, maybe three active closers in the in baseball right now that are significantly younger than Billy Wagner was when he retired that right. could c- conceivably S- pass him. Surpass that. You right, know. right, exactly. I think it's almost inevitable that Kimbrell and Jansen will, you know, surpass the number of saves Wagner has in fewer yeah, innings in yeah. fewer years. Um, right. Which, to me, kind of belittles his career, unfortunately. Um, sure. But I guess that kind of asks another question. What about Francisco Rodriguez? Right. See, this was a tough one for me, right? Uh, K-Rod is, I mean, the numbers are there, you know? Um, I, I took Wagner over K-Rod, but it, it, it's a difficult argument for sure. What, uh, what made you take Wagner over K-Rod? Uh, you know, I think really just, um, Billy Wagner's career span, you know, it was just a, uh, infused home run crazy era um you know with uh you know uh, a lot happening during that time and i think uh you know he held up again it's a smaller sample size too but uh yeah what was your vote for uh for k-rod you know uh he wasn't on my 
he wasn't on my list this time. I didn't vote yeah. for either of them. You know, when you're when you're confined to sure. ten ten votes, I'll let somebody else vote for the relievers. Right, right. Now, um, so obviously we talked about Gary Sheffield, Manny Ramirez. I voted for both of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one guy who I think is a no-brainer, and there's a lot of questions surrounding this, but it's Andrew Jones, which I. I I, I don't know why this is even in question, in my opinion. What do you think, Lefty? Yeah, definitely, definitely uh, has my vote. Um, one of the best sluggers of his era. Um, obviously, he's one of those players that just falls in that same range. You know, there are a bunch of guys on the ballot right now that are around that 60 war range. They don't have yeah. the pinnacle numbers. They don't have the landmark 500 home runs, 3,000 hits. So be it. Um, you know, he's definitely somebody on that list for me. He kind of peaked later than a lot of guys. Um, you know, you would have assumed that, well, I mean, I should say, he also entered the league much younger than a lot of players. You know, he, sure. he was called up was in 19? 19 in 1996. Yeah, yeah. Um, was a full-time player by the time he was 20 years old, which, you know, is kind of the, the style of Atlanta outfielders, if you think about it. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Historical, you know, yeah. You know, he was a phenomenal defender, somebody, again, that for that same range that you could see Scott Rowland, you know, with highlight oh, plays, yeah. Andrew Jones was going to make them in the outfield as well. Um, you know, just a Definitely. just a great hitter, um, great defender, somebody anybody would want center field for them. For sure. So just a recap, we talked about, on my end, Bobby Abreu, Mark Burley, Andy Pettit, Andrew Jones, Scott Rowland, Carlos Beltran, Jeff Kent, Billy Wagner, and then we got uh, Manny Ramirez and Gary Sheffield. Now, I'll go ahead and I'll let you talk about R.A. Dickey. And can... <laughs> <laughs> no, so to uh, re- recap who uh, we've covered so far on, on your end as well. Yeah, so we've talked about Roland. Um, just briefly touched on Sheffield and Manny, Andy Pettit, Bobby Abreu, Mark Burley, and Carlos Beltran. There are two more that are on my list. One of them is questionable. The other is solid. One of those sure. is, is Todd Helton, who I think uh, you know defi- definitely yeah. gets in. Um, somebody that could easily be, uh, you know, the center of a regular episode. Supremely underrated. Um, always, always held back by the fact that he played in the the nothingness of Denver. Um, his his accomplishments were always written off because he played in that hitter friendly environment, and nobody watches Colorado baseball. Helton was just a again a very great all around hitter. Um, sure, sure, probably, definitely. Probably one of the last players we'll see at least in, in, in this era of baseball, uh, to, to finish a, a long and storied career with an average above 315, um, yeah. you know, retiring with a 316 average. Um, again, not the most telling of stats, but something that, that is super impressive nonetheless. Right. You know, his, two, his two, 2000 season where he uh, had a 372 batting average, a 463 on-base percentage, uh a slugging percentage of 698. It was incredible. Yeah, he, yeah. he led the league in batting average on base percentage, slugging on base plus slugging, obviously, and total bases. Just a, just an incredible season. Um, you know, from a from a relatively nobody player at that time, his, his nine wins above replacement that year is just huge. Yeah, absolutely. That, and, I mean, and he what, only what finished... standout season. And he only finished fifth in MVP voting. Right. Well, I mean, that tells you the state of just offensive prowess at that at that time. I mean, yeah. that was in you know a crazy time for yeah. Well, for you know, offense. well, again, you know who um, 
won the won the MVP award that year. We talked about was Jeff Kent, Jeff Un- yeah, yeah. undeservingly. <laughs> <laughs> right, it pr- pretty crazy, right? I mean, uh, who who was in that top five? Was it Kent, Bonds, Helton, and uh, who? Do you know who else was in that top five at that time? Uh, another another player that'll probably feature on an episode at some time, Jim Edmonds. <laughs> oh, Jitch. And my ball game, and the only the only catcher who's a better hitter than Gene Tennis, Mike Piazza. Mike Piazza, Jesus, gosh, uh, yeah. I so, mean, so uh, I, w- so, I want to so circle. Who's, to who's the, your last guy? Well, it's somebody I want to talk about. Um, I actually don't want to talk about them at all, but <laughs> but this got your vinyl vote. Yeah, so it's got an asterisk on my list here. I can't decide. It's a it's a player that is arguably. Um, one of the greatest players of all time, but is also absolutely insufferable. Um, somebody that I hope I never have to listen to speak again, and that Jesus. is Alex Rodriguez. Hey, just I, I couldn't bring myself to check the box, man. I, I, I just couldn't. And literally, you know, look, if we're talking about statistics, you know, it's just me being absolutely biased because I can't stand the man. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what it is. And I, I feel like at this point, obviously, you know, we, we have the, you know, the, the steroid uh, situation. But, I mean, I feel like people just do not like this man at all. I mean, it's hard yeah. to find uh, former players that enjoy Alex Rodriguez's presence. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he's so bad as a commentator. Oh, he's awful. Awful. He's he's somebody that does a disservice to the game. Um, It's painful to listen to. Um, And I think we're probably not too many many years away from, you know, hearing those commercials like, have you or a loved one suffered from mesothelioma? (laughs) But it's going to be compensation for having to listen to Alex Rodriguez talk. Oh, man. I know. It's uh, it it really is tough, and he has no business being in a commentator's uh, booth and in a role. And I I'm not sure why he just keeps getting shoved out there, but it is insufferable. It yeah. absolutely is just insufferable. Absolutely, he he should spend some time on a deserted island with Tim Tebow, um, preferably Tony Romo as well. <laughs> Now let's let, let, let's talk about you know now let's talk about a couple players that there are on the list that maybe you like but won't make uh, you know maybe just whatever in general like a, for instance me I like Tory Hunter right I don't think Tory Hunter is going to make it I I just don't think the numbers are there I know that he had a late career resurgence I know that he hit over 350 home runs and whatnot and I'll tell you what if you were a baseball fan in the early 2000s. Uh, especially defensively, if you weren't watching those Minnesota Twins with Torrey Hunter and Doug Mankiewicz and guys like that who were just all over, you know, the uh, uh, the the Triple H dome at that time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I mean the it it reminded you know, but you know my father used to tell me it reminded him of the '80s Cardinals, just the way they you know the speed as far as defensively, the way they moved out there. Uh, he was an electrifying player. There are a few players defensively that, you know, could light it up like Tory Hunter. But um, I think overall, I don't know if the numbers are, are there. I just don't think, um, you know, 
I, I don't know. Like he's just, he's. I think he's just too far under the threshold, man. Yeah, he he doesn't cut it for me. Um, yeah, definitely not somebody on my list personally. Definitely. Now again, this is your chance to talk about R. A. Dickey. Do you want me to? You know, he, he it's all yours. It's very that's very far from your mind <laughs> right now. Uh, no, anybody else that uh, you you liked on the list that. Uh, you know, you personally enjoyed as a player, but just don't think that, uh, you know, the numbers are going to be there. Yeah, you know, um, Houston Street is somebody that stands out to me. Um, mm-hmm. He was a he was a player that, you know, in, in my development as a, as a person, you know, he kind of came out one rookie of the year, was a phenomenal pitcher, right when I started to, to really dive into stats as a child, so... That's somebody that I always recognize. Um, sure, you know, sure. A little uh, bit of nostalgia, right? Yeah. yeah. So he stands out to me. Um, you know, Bronson Arroyo is another one. I, I remember seeing him a lot for the sure. Reds. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Player that was never very good, but, uh, you know, <laughs> had had, an, had a number of seasons there. Um, right, with, right. With repeated 200, 200 innings pitched. Aside from that, nobody that I have too much connection to. Sure, sure. I, I think a name that comes up a little bit, uh, I think there's a lot of uh, Omar Vizquel supporters, but uh, I'm not one of those. Uh, um, yeah, I'd like I'm, to meet whoever they are. Right. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he really wasn't that great of a... I mean, obviously, all everything aside from his latest scandal, which is kind of despicable and i think sure isn't really in question it's something that happened um and should disqualify anyone from any type of award contention um he just wasn't that good of a player yeah it, i yeah. think that there's a generation I don't know what all the hype is about you know i think there's a generation of people that are attached to him simply because they've seen some videos of him like tossing a ball around the infield yeah you know what i'm talking about there's a viral yeah. video that pops up I, every every year around this time when the Hall of Fame ballot releases where <laughs> he like snaps a ball up in the air and it's not it doesn't reflect baseball ability. Um yeah. and he just wasn't that good. He was a horrible I, hit, he was a horrible hitter who, you know, was pretty good defensively. I gotta be honest, I thought that was gonna sell Ryan's door on, on hiring him as the next White Sox manager. But I mean he luckily, did. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he he did. He signed him as a minor league manager, and we all know how that how that happened. Yeah, if you don't well, know, you can Google it, and you won't want to vote for him either. Right? Yeah, it's um, God, it, uh, I I know just another middle infielder with just the like terrible just pat. I mean, Roberto Alomar's up there. You know, there, we just have there's a, a group of folks that are just. Freaking bad people, man. God. Yeah, yeah. Just, just bad people in general. Just freaking creeps. But uh, yeah, I think. Um, I mean, other than a couple players, we I think we had two players that uh, you know we had different for the most part. Um, you know, we agreed there were some pretty much you know what we see as shoe ins on this ballot here. You know, there's a few names on there that I don't even understand. You know, I don't know what Mike Napoli's doing on the freaking on the list or, or a guy like JJ Hardy. <laughs> um, well, they got to fill it out somehow. Yeah, it's getting it's getting ugly. It's yeah, getting ugly. So you know, it'll be interesting to uh, to see how this compares uh, to our lists and and what goes down. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, if you guys have any thoughts, any any differing opinions, let us know on Twitter. You can find find us there at underrated pod. That's at under underscore rated underscore pod. Um, hit us up on uh, YouTube at underrated pod on TikTok at underrated pod or you know wherever else. Let us know who's on your ballot, uh, who we got right, who we got wrong, and uh, we'll look out for that. Definitely. Until next time.